Hey everybody, welcome to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where today I have Ogawa Baruku, who currently has a successful Kickstarter campaign going on with her volume two of the Fallen series. So thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And now some of my listeners are hearing about Fallen for the first time. Can you briefly go into what Fallen is about and the story behind it? What I always say at conventions, it's basically magical girls on steroids. So instead of being a all sparkly, sugary, happy magical girl series, it's a little bit more realistic. And the main character is, her name's Arma, but she's very masculine for a magical girl. And she's the leader and she's pretty kick butt. Basically, these girls just lost their memories, their amnesiacs, and they're told that if they want to get their identities back. They have to awaken to their abilities and become magical girls, become guardians. And they do this and they receive their name, but then the question kind of becomes, is this really their name or is this just like a name? Is this a new personality they're taking on? So it's a comic that explores identity through a magical girl's platform. And now Fallen has a rich history. How did you first start this comic and when did you start the comic? I've been working on this in some form or another since high school. It's one of those stories. It's the pet project story. But I didn't start drawing it until 2012. And the reason I started drawing it was because we had a series called Magika Madoka. And that came out here in Japan. That was a big hit. And that came out in 2011. And at that point, I had already written about two volumes of novelizations of the story online. I was just like, I should probably start drawing this as a comic because I think we're about to have a big magical girls boom. And sure enough, we had a huge magical girls boom. I talked to a bunch of editors. Nobody believed me that this was going to happen. But now magical girls are really a big thing here. So I went and I just did it independently by myself. And it ended up doing pretty well. And now Fallen first started out as a webcomic. Still a webcomic. Its main platform is it's a webcomic and first time I put it into a book was in 2014 and this was because I was on Ink Blazers, which was a really up-and-coming comic website, almost specifically for manga-style comics. And it was doing pretty good. There was a premium comic there, and I decided maybe I should publish this. I put out a Kickstarter for that, and the Kickstarter was successful, although at the end of it, I only reached a little under $8,000, and on my current Kickstarter, I'm already past that, so I'm already doing a lot better than I did the first time around. And that was really successful, but it was kind of unfortunate because a month after the first Kickstarter ended, the company that I was going to be printing my books through, that Ink Blazers, place, they decided to shut their website down <laughs> without warning. So that was a bit problematic, but I'm not using them this time around. So it's all good. And now the artwork is very interesting. I studied in Japan, so I actually have a degree in manga. I don't know how many people can say that, but I actually went to a Japanese comic school and I have my degree in drawing Japanese comics. So when I came here, my style wasn't that anime-ish. But after living here, my art style has kind of evolved to match that. And there's lots of pretty girls and lots of naked girls. So there's something for everyone. It's a magical girls comic that appeals to everyone, unless you don't like naked girls. And now obviously the comic has evolved. You said it was started with your high school project. It was more of an idea in high school and I didn't really start fleshing out the finalized version until college, but came up with the characters in high school to kind of fill this void that I had. Because I liked Sailor Moon and Evangelion I really liked and Revolutionary Girl Utena I really liked and those kind of inspired me because I thought they're great. I'd like to see Magical Girls be pushed a little bit further 
into something like Evangelion where the characters really have to discuss themselves and have to figure out who they are. And then I also just really like the idea of Revolutionary Girl Uzuna, which is about a girl who wants to become a prince, but she's pretty girly in the show. And I just thought it'd be nicer if they had pushed it a little bit further. So I did that with my own series and my main character is very masculine and it kind of filled this void where I just really wanted to see more shows and more comics about girls who are not bubbleheads, who are not girly, who are not ditzy. And I was a tomboy growing up, so it was really important to me that we had more representation for girls who are not girly. And now your comic is interesting because everything is drawn by hand. Except for the color artwork that I do for the covers and the inside work, the actual comic pages themselves, those are all hand-drawn. And I use screen tones just like they do in Japan because that's what I was trained to work with, but they're fairly expensive. So a lot of money goes into the actual production because I have to purchase all of my supplies and a lot of hard work goes into it. And not everyone can appreciate that and that's fine, but... It's not a digital comic, so there's a little extra love into those pages. Everything is handcrafted. And what do you find to be challenging about this process versus your digital cover work that you do? Coloring is an entirely different process, but I will say that I've done digital comics before and I don't really want to go back because something I've noticed happens when you rely too much digitally is you can't draw anymore. You lose the ability to not rely on control Z and stuff like that. For example, I went to a convention where there was a guy next to me at this table and he was a big hit. He was selling out of books left and right. A guy came up to him and said, hey, can you draw me a sketch of my favorite character from your comic? And the guy said, sure. When the guy left, I noticed that the guy just stared at his sketchbook for like five minutes before he looked over to his friend and said, I can't remember how to draw because he draws digitally and he hadn't held a pencil in probably years. So he wasn't able to draw this sketch for this fan that requested it. And I've actually met several people who are professional artists who have told me they actually can't draw unless it's a computer because they rely so much on the undo ability to undo what they've done. So I think when you do it by hand, you also get a very organic look to your comics, which I just like. That's just a personal preference. But you also hone your skills a little bit more. So you have to figure out how to draw these things and you have to draw buildings and all these things that you hate drawing. You can't just use some clip art and um, use a fun filter on it that maybe nobody will realize that I didn't actually draw this. You can't do cheats like that. And I think everyone should at first maybe try drawing comics by hand because they may end up doing comics digitally later on, but they need to really hone their skills and they really need to learn the basics. And it's really sad to see people who can't draw because they've relied too much on the computer. And now to dive into a little bit of the elements that Fallen portrays. Some of it is searching for identity as the six guardians are trying to regain their lives back. Some sexual freedom slash fan service and also a sense of responsibility. How did you develop these elements into your work. Like I said, when I first was working on this, I was kind of in high school, so I was probably a little bit depressed at the time, and I think I had some trouble figuring out who I was, and it didn't make sense to me that a lot of Magical Girls series, you'd watch the show and they'd be like, oh, it's a talking cat, or oh, it's a talking hedgehog. And they come up, they tell them you gotta be a magical girl. And they're just like, oh, okay, I've gotta be a magical girl, that's cool. And they're just okay with it, but like they're murdering people, they're killing monsters, they're getting hurt, and like they never really show that. So I thought it'd be a really great idea to explore the actual emotions that go behind it and to actually show characters getting hurt. And I just think that identity is something that everybody struggles with. I have a friend who just told me recently that 
that she realized that she was asexual and she's my age and it took her a little over 30 years for her to figure this out and just the feeling that she came to this conclusion kind of realized that she wasn't weird or anything like that she said that was such a huge relief for her and I actually had another friend who also had the same situation where he's in his late 30s and he just realized what his sexuality was and similarly it was like a big relief for him and I just think people put so much importance on their identities and who they are and I wanted to have a comic series that really talked about who you are and what makes you who you are and is it your job or is it your title or or is it even just little things like your name does that make you who you are and that's what I wanted to explore and I really haven't seen that many manga or comics even that really go into it you see a lot of superhero comics and you see a lot of magical girl stuff and superpowered high school girls but I don't think they really talk about identity as much as maybe they should considering a lot of these characters that are being affected or in that stage of their lives where they're just trying to figure out who they are so I wanted to really do that and it's a pretty consistent theme it doesn't just stop when they get their names as we're gonna find out more about that in the next volume and now you have developed some very interesting characters including Arma, Lamnia, Maris, Vesta, and Neva <laughs> and now all these characters have very different personalities yes. yet they share a similar goal on many mm -hmm. levels how did mm -hmm. you go about developing each of these characters? There's something about where if you develop characters that have strong personalities and very diverse personalities, they tend to write themselves. So when I started my series, I was like, they have to be very different from each other. I don't want to be able to describe one girl and somebody think that that could also describe this character as well. So I wanted them to be very different. And in doing that, I was able to form dynamics between them. For example, Arma, like I've said before, she's very masculine. She's very easygoing for the most most part. She's very strong, but she wouldn't hurt a fly unless she's out on the battlefield. But in general, she's a pretty good person, but she's not the brightest member of the group, but she's a pretty good character. And then there's Lamia, who is her exact opposite. She's physically very well endowed. She's very sexual. She's not ashamed of her body at all. She's very feminine. She's a brat. She's very entitled and doesn't like to cooperate with the group, so she's very standoffish. And those two, when together, it's just really easy and really fun to write up situations where they just don't get along. Like, in the page I'm finishing up today, and in that page, Lamia is teasing Arma about the way she looks and basically implying that Arma's actually a man. So Lamia says, you know, I haven't seen physical proof. So Arma's like, oh, you want physical proof? You want physical proof? Fine, I'll show you physical proof. And then she starts to like undo her pants and Lamia just starts screaming, no, Arma, I don't want to see your wiener. And just as she says that, Neva walks into the room. So there's a comical little moment where Neva's just like, dinner's ready. And then she just kind of like hides because how do you approach a situation like that? But then Arma's really embarrassed because she doesn't have a wiener. And Lamia was like, well, I knew you're really a girl. I was just playing with you. It's fun to write these little scenes where they don't get along. And it's because they're so different that it's a lot easier to write scenes like that. I wanted somebody to represent everybody. So the characters are very different because there's so many different people reading this comic. And I've heard people tell me they relate to Neva just because she has big breasts. And I'm fairly well endowed. So a lot of her comedy comes from the fact that it sucks to have big boobs. They're heavy and they hurt. And she's not a very sexual person so it just kind of just awkward for her to have big breasts 
And then I've had a lot of people who were bullied in school tell me that they relate to this character, Aura, who is the youngest in the team. And she just started school this chapter that I'm finishing up. And immediately, like, she trips and everybody sees that she's wearing underwear a little bit younger than her aged group would wear. So immediately on her first day, they're making fun of her. And she's an easy target anyway because she's nice and doesn't have a lot of confidence in herself. And I've had people tell me they cried when they read stories that featured her because they had the exact same things happen to them. I was not bullied. I was the kind of kid who if somebody bullied me, I'd bully them back. I didn't have that happen, but I definitely had classmates who got bullied. So I wanted to represent those kinds of people and I wanted to represent all different types of girls and all different types of people. And a lot of guys have told me that they really relate to Arma because she is so masculine and I think that's pretty cool too. So I just wanted to have a nice variety because there's no point in having a carbon copy of each character. And I think strong personalities tend to write themselves and they're just a lot of fun to write and work with. And now being that there's some sexual situations in your comic, yes. how do you determine what is appropriate for your audience and where do you draw the line and how do you determine that entire sphere? And that's difficult because I think that's something that webcomics don't do very well usually. They don't recognize who their audience is, so they'll have a comic that's for younger people, obviously, in the way it's written, and yet they're using extreme cuss words or extreme situations, and I'm like, you guys, you need to figure out who your audience is. And so with my audience, I've tentatively said that it's a 15 plus audience. I'm thinking 15 plus by Japanese standards. So I would consider this a seinen manga if I was being published by a Japanese publisher, and that would be a, an older teen male audience, basically. So I allow for some cussing, but I don't go crazy with cuss words, even though I swear all the time in real life. I don't allow pornographic sex. And really in the comics so far, there hasn't been any sex, but there will be some later on, but it'll be tasteful. I can draw breasts, but I can't draw genitalia, you know, that kind of line. I can't have my characters be naked all the time, although they were naked a lot in the first chapter, but he was part of the story. So yeah, fan service is totally cool. Light swearing is totally cool. Violence is totally cool. But yeah, I have to just make sure it never goes quite into the realm of adult only, which is not pornographic, not that violent against human characters. And I do have religious themes. Like one of the characters is a priest, Father Sam. But I don't get too into religion. He's just kind of there as a mentor for Arma. And he's got another role in the comic, but that hasn't been revealed yet. And now, do you feel that being that you're a webcomic and that you are on Kickstarter and you're really independent publishing your work, that you have more freedom to do what you want with it? It's incredible. And this is the perfect time to be an independent artist because Kickstarter really makes a lot possible. And I think people are getting tired of mainstream stuff. In Hollywood, we have Independence Day coming out again. Like, there's just so many reboots being produced in America. And actually, right now, something a lot of manga fans don't quite realize, Japan is going through a little bit of a, a drought. People are just starting to realize that they can get comics for free online in Japan. So sales have kind of been at an all-time low. They're really talking about anthology magazines may not be able to succeed. They might disappear altogether 10 years down the line. And Japan is starting to do what Hollywood's doing. And they're doing a lot of, like, reboots. I mean, we've got Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z on TV again. <laughs> like, new episodes episodes of Dragon Ball Super, but Sailor Moon is on again, but they're really starting to take Hollywood's approach and just rehashing stuff again. I approached a lot of publishers here too, because I've worked with publishers before and I was an assistant on some comics and there was one publisher that really wanted to publish Fallen, 
they wanted me to change Arma. They were like, you need to make her blonde and light-skinned and you need to give her big breasts because she looks kind of like a man. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of the point. Well, I don't think it'll sell. So I went to another place and I went to another place. I got told basically the same stuff or they wanted to change it so that they start out with their high school students from the first chapter on and they know who they are. There's not even a question of identity at all. They just wanted to make it a standard story. And like I told you, they didn't even realize that Magical Girls was going to be a thing again. So my experience with publishers is that they're pretty controlling. And I think people have the idea that mangaka in Japan are pretty free, but they're not. I worked for a guy, he has a character in his comic, and the editor basically insisted he make, whether he liked it or not. He ended up being okay with it, but that's not something I'm cool with. I don't think you have complete freedom, because you get feedback. This is the good thing and a downside at the same time. You get feedback almost instantaneously when you do a webcomic. So if you do something wrong, people let you know pretty quickly, and it might make you go, maybe I need to rewrite a little bit of this chapter before I post the whole thing, but in general... I'm the one who decides where the story is going, and I'm the one who decides whether my main character is classically beautiful, in air quotes, or butch and awesome. So I am totally willing to take a hit to the wallet for that freedom. And that is by far the best part about webcomics. And it, I've been really surprised by the amount of encouragement I've gotten from readers and from new readers, like on Kickstarter. I think half of my backers are new. They haven't been following my comic, they just thought it looked cool, so they wanted to back it, which I think is really great. But definitely a good time to be a webcomic artist. And now to focus a little bit on volume two of Fallen, mm -hmm. what chapters and events does volume two focus in on? Volume two starts with chapter eight, where we open up the book with Neva. She starts off the book with trying to figure out who she is, but she doesn't want to do the magical girl thing. She's stuck in a library. She's trying to look for things that remind her of her previous self. So she's like, have I read this book before? Do I recognize the story? Do these things sound familiar to me and so that's what she's trying to do but she pushes away from the whole idea of being a guardian as does the youngest member who actually goes looking for her family and looking for missing persons posters and see if she's on any of them so these two members don't readily accept the idea of being a magical girl and they don't accept that is their identity and so the beginning of the chapter focuses on those two girls then I talk about getting them some job they start going to school the younger ones do and so it shows they're getting a normal life and on top of being magical girls so I wanted to show them they get their identities as guardians but they also have to start developing personalities and identities for themselves as a human being and that's what this volume focuses on and then in the last chapter which is going to be chapter 13 for this volume we're going to have shocking things happen so it's going to end on a cliffhanger and it's going to really push us into the main part of this arc which I don't want to spoil, so I won't. Chapters 8 through 13, and there's also going to be a bonus side story of like 10 pages, where one of the characters, Vesta, gets a cold, and everybody has to take care of her, even though she's normally the one that takes care of them. So there's wacky mayhem ensues, but this volume is kind of all over the place emotionally. It's going to have some funny moments, but it's also going to have some heart-wrenching moments. And now, just to clarify, this 10-page bonus is only found in the book, correct? The 10-page bonus chapter does not go online at all. 
It's only available in the actual book and in the PDF version of the book, which is only available to Kickstarter backers. There are a lot of things in the book that are not going to be available online. So there's plenty of incentive to also just buy the book. The book is also uncensored. And I think it's just Lamia that's naked in this book. And that's near the end. There's less nudity in this book than there was in the first book. But there are some adult situations come in. And any of nudity is censored online, but it's uncensored in the book. And there's going to be three bonus comic strips, also book only. There's going to be a backstory a little bit for characters Maris and Vesta, how I created them. Originally, they were both furry because I started out doing furry instead of human comics. There's some behind the scenes stuff in the book too. So there are things in the book that will not be available online. And the 10 page comic, the actual pages are going to be available to top tier backers on Kickstarter. And actually, there's two slots left, so they're going fast. And right now, your project is set to go. I believe yep. you're almost at, what, 8,400? Uh, looking at it right now, I think it went up while we've been talking. Uh, 8,451 is what we're at right now of my goal of $4,000. So we are getting close to another stretch goal. The stretch goal is $9,000. We've already unlocked three stretch goals. And this is going to be $50 tiers and above. They're going to get a high-res copy of the calendar artwork. And that's 12 illustrations. So it's almost like a mini art book, pretty much. I'll sign each physical copy of the book that goes out, which I think was a big mistake. I'm going to have my arm fall off by the end of this. And I'm going to draw a sketch in people's books. And I've got 46 days to go, which is because I'm going to be hitting a bunch of conventions. Anime Expo is my first convention, and that's actually this weekend, so it's coming up real soon. And then after that, I've got Anime Midwest, Tokyo and Tulsa, MetroCon, Anime Iowa, ending with Otakuthon in Canada. So I'll be going to the US and Canada on Thursday. I've got a lot to do before I go. But I'll be promoting the comics Kickstarter the whole time, so I'm pretty sure we're going to hit some more stretch goals. I was not anticipating we would get this far before I left, so I'm a little bit in shock, to be honest. And now, do you find, since you reached your goal, more people have contributed to the Kickstarter campaign? Since I've reached my goal, a lot of people have upgraded. So maybe they started out at $13, which is just getting the book, but then they've seen that I'm reaching more goals, and so more stuff is going to be available to them. So a lot of people have increased to like the $50 tier or higher because there's a lot more stuff going to those tiers. I don't think I've had a single cancellation yet, but I'm sure that'll change, especially with the economic troubles going on in Europe. I haven't had a lot of European people this year <laughs> pledge, but people have been upgrading and I've had a lot of people in the comment section, I've had people go, yeah, you guys, we did it, which I think is really great. There's team spirits. It's going great so far. I'm just waiting for the economy to plunge and everybody back out last minute. And now to encourage more people to contribute yes, to your yes. campaign, did you list some of the rewards that you're offering? So some of the rewards I'm offering to lower tiers, and these don't have any limits to them either. You can get a physical book, hold it in your hand and everything, smell it and whatever. You can also get some desktop wallpapers, and those are also Kickstarter exclusives, although I'll probably have them available for my Patreon people too. You can get a PDF version of the comic, high res and everything. You can get your name in the back of the book. You can get a Kickstarter supporter icon that I'm going to give out to people. You can choose one of nine characters to have as your icon. You can get postcards. I'm going to have up to 16 designs by the time all the rewards go out. Although people are asking me to do another design. So I might make that a stretch goal. I don't know. Clear bookmarks, which are really cool. They look like tiny animation cells. I'm going to have four designs of those. I've already got two made. They look great. They were really popular at conventions. I'm not going to sell them on my online shop. So they're only available if you see me at conventions, which is rare because I live in Japan and everything, or it's only available
people on this Kickstarter. For example, the wall calendar, which is going to have 12 brand new illustrations for it. That's only available on Kickstarter. I'm also doing posters. I'm doing for some higher tiers. I've also got advertisement space. So I'm going to have leaflets go out with all the books to everybody that purchases one through Kickstarter. So I've had some people tell me they have webcomics too, and it's really hard to advertise. So if you have a webcomic or an art website, you're going to be able to have a little advertisement that's going to go out to people who like webcomics, obviously. It's pretty good advertisement for people who enjoy comics. You can actually get photocopies, but they're good quality, and there's cameo appearances. Actually, the page that I'm working on today has a cameo in it from the last Kickstarter. You can get a Daki Makura pillowcase. In Daki Makura, it's 150 centimeters long and 50 centimeters wide, and it is a huge huggable pillow of a character. I did Lamia last year. She's going to come back too because she was really popular, and then this year I haven't decided who's going to be the cover girl for the pillow this year. I'll probably do a vote whenever I'm done for all people who support that. Full color, custom pinup, stick posters. And a stick poster, it's a little bit longer than most posters are, so it's good for pinups. And I will draw whatever character in whatever situation. Like last year, a guy asked for Neva on a beach scene. So I'm going to be drawing that for him at Anime Expo because that's where he's going to be. And then I'll color that digitally and I'll print out a poster for him. T-shirts were in high demand last year and I finally have them available this year. There's a lot. And then I've also got keychains was recently unlocked. So you can get Vox, which is a little talking mouse. And you can get Arma, Maris, Vesta, and Lamia keychains are now available. And then there's more to come because I'm going through stretch goals a little bit faster than I was expecting. So I'm probably going to add more stuff as we get closer to the next stretch goals. And now we spoke about a lot of things, but we didn't even scratch the surface. Where can people go to find out more information about Fallen and the characters and the story and the comic and the progress that the Kickstarter campaign is? I have a homepage. It is fallen-comic.com. So fallen-comic.com. You can go there and you can actually read the entire thing for free. The version online is not the final version that goes into the book. Obviously, the font changed a little bit for the first book. And of course, it's censored. And my website is not terribly smartphone friendly. But if you've got a computer or a tablet, you can check it out. And you can read the whole thing for free. So if you decide you don't want to throw your money at something you've never read before, go for it. Just read the whole thing online. There's information about my convention appearances on there too. I've got links to all my other stuff, all my Twitter pages and Facebook pages and DeviantArt. So just go to fallen-comic.com and you can get all the information there. And then finally, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Facebook, Twitter, the Kickstarter campaign, convention appearances? Kickstarter, obviously. The more the merrier. Let's get this puppy going. Woo! And also my convention appearances. I mentioned six cons earlier that I'm going to, and I'm actually a guest at four of those. So I'll be giving panels and workshops on how to draw comics or how to get your own comics started, how to publish independently. I'm doing several panels with several other guests. Anime Midwest, which is in Rosemont, Illinois. And that's July 8th through 10th. I'm a guest there. And there's a lot of really great guests at Anime Midwest. It's going to be a really great con. Last year it was great. Tokyo and Tulsa, which is my hometown. I'm from Tulsa originally. That's one of my favorites. That's a great con. Everybody there is super cool. That's July 15th through 17th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I actually will have a workshop for that con where we'll be putting together a page based on a single script page that I'll have. We'll all put it together and we'll learn how to do layouts and everything. It's going to be fun. Metro 
MetroCon in Tampa, Florida, July 21st through 24th. And I've actually never done MetroCon before. I'm a guest. I have no idea what to expect. I can't say anything beyond that, but I will be giving some panels there too. Anime Iowa, which is the 29th through 31st in Coralville, Iowa. Anime Iowa last year was a lot of fun and it's expanding. They have a lot of emphasis on artists as their guests, so it's going to be really great. There's also great guests there. Otakuthon, which is in Montreal. I've also never been to it before, but I'm going to have a few books for that one because I don't speak French, so I'm not going to have a whole lot of books. But if you're going to be at any of those, you should definitely come say hi. I'm not going to be a guest at Otakuthon or Anime Expo, so I have to like make effort to find me, but at the other cons, my face is probably going to be on the pamphlet, so you're good. I just want to say before we go, everybody, that thank you for listening to this week's podcast. And as always, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and a bunch of other places where you listen to your podcasts. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can check out my website, popanimecomics.com, for articles relating to anime, comics, wrestling, and pop culture. As well as you can follow us on Twitter at popanimecomics for all updates regarding this podcast, as well as the website. And I hope to see you as a subscriber following me on this podcast. Checking me out on Twitter, reading my website. Until next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.